0: Welcome to the Community Fellowship Podcast, your way to stay connected with biblically-themed messages, discussions, and interviews from Community Fellowship in East Bernard, Texas. Learn more about our church at the cfeb.church website, check us out on social media at CFEastBernard, or attend an in-person service at 635 Main Street in East Bernard. We are a local church that works to make the love of Christ for all humanity known to our community and the world. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this week's content.
1: Well, I would venture to say that many of us did not end up in the same career that we thought we were whenever we were 10 years old. (laughs) And I have a sinking suspicion It has to do with one of the ugliest and nastiest words in all of the English language, bills. You had to pay your bills. And so you had to figure out what you were going to do. Well, over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to be looking at a couple of topics that unfortunately, because of our Western culture, um, we've gotten some unbiblical ideas. uh, And and what I want to do is I want to walk through them one by one, And I want us to help kind of look at a biblical viewpoint of them so that we might be able to develop a theology and doctrine towards each one of those subjects. Now, I know that that might seem a little odd for me to use kind of language like that, but I want you to understand that everybody in here, everybody sitting in this room is a theologian. You are a theologian. All that simply means is that simply means that you have thoughts about God. And those thoughts determine... The course of your life they help impact your life now whether you're a good theologian is actually defined by your doctrine and doctrine is simply what do you believe so good theology always starts with what the scripture says about any issue so that's what we're going to do over these next few weeks on each of these topics and then After we've looked at each one of these topics kind of one by one, what I want to do is I want to give some time at the end to have a little time of Q&A. In other words, some of the things that you've written in, we're going to answer some of those questions. I've invited Tim to come and do that a little bit later to come and sit with me and ask some of those questions that have been written in. And there's still time to do that. We'll show that in the very end whenever uh, we actually have that time. There'll be a QR code you can scan. There's also one out in the lobby That you're welcome to scan. If you still have some questions about, especially about some of the next few topics that we're going to talk about, then I want to make sure that you do that. But this morning, the first of our topics is going to be obviously work. Uh, What does the scripture say about our work? Does it say anything? What conclusions can we come from, what conclusions can we make uh, from what the scripture actually says? And my hope by the end of the day is that we'll be able to look at the scriptures together on work and we'll have a better understanding of what God says our work should be. All right. So if you're gonna, if you wouldn't mind, get out your Bible. There's a Bible in front of you, and we're gonna turn to the New Testament book of First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. We're gonna be in chapter four, starting in verse nine. We'll read that together. I'll give you a minute to to find that. Again, there's Bibles in front of you. If you need it. First Thessalonians four, nine. Now, about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Okay, so before we dive into Paul's message here to Thessalonica, I want to first show you a few things uh, that the scriptures point out about what work is not from the Old Testament. Okay, so a few things that the scriptures tell us that work is not. And contrary to what some people believe um, or think about what the scripture says, work is not a result of sin and the fall. Now, you may look at me like I'm a little bit crazy on this one, but here's what a lot of people will do. A lot of people will look at the curse in Genesis chapter 3, okay? And this is what it says. It says, cursed is the ground because of you. This is God speaking to Adam. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. And so they say, okay, well, this is obviously introduced because Adam and Eve ate the fruit. It's all their fault. They're the reason that we have to work. It's almost like they think, in other words, if, we, if they hadn't eaten the fruit, we would all be sitting around eating bonbons all day. But that's not the truth. That's not what the scripture says, right? The problem here is with their logic because work is actually introduced by God earlier than before the fall. So if you go back and you look in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, here's what it says. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So, God had already given Adam responsibility to tend and to care for the garden before either one of them ate the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. But what the curse did do, though, was to make work harder. So, instead of Adam caring for the soil and tending the soil and not having to worry about anything, now, enter weeds that are going to choke out vegetation, enter, you know, um, drought that's going to cripple crops. But, so what one might say that happened as a result of the fall is that work actually became work. It became hard, right? Uh, but God originally had in mind that man's labor would be fruitful. But now there's difficulty in cultivating the ground. Okay, so the second thing that work isn't. Work does not define our value and worth. Worth does not define our value and worth. Have you ever noticed this with men, especially? Sorry, men, I'm going to pick on you for a minute. But when we introduce ourselves, we usually shake hands, right? Say our name. And then what's the next question that we ask? What What do you do for a living? That's exactly right. That's the next question that we ask. What do you do for a living? We automatically define ourselves by what we do. And it's almost like one type of work is better than the other. Could you, could you imagine this kind of situation? Here's the situation. You have uh, this lawyer who comes up and he's introducing himself and he says, well, I work for one of the most prestigious law firms in Houston. I'm a partner at part of this law firm. What do you do for a living? Other man shakes his hand. Well, I'm, I'm a local garbage man. Now, here's the thing. I'm sure in that interaction there might be a little bit of judgment, but... When it comes down to it, when either one of them needs each other, I doubt very seriously that they're judging one another. Can you imagine this lawyer who's put his trash on the curb, and it's been there now for weeks and weeks, the smell is starting to get a little putrid. Critters are starting to come up to it. I'm sure he's thankful for the garbage man at that point, right? So our work is not what defines us. Our value and worth is not defined by what we do, but by who we were created by, by who we were created by. See, every person has intrinsic value and worth because they bear the imago Dei. Now, that's just a fancy theological word that just means in the image of God. Genesis 127 tells us this. In the image of God, he, that's God, created them. Male and female, he created them. So we have value not because of our job or occupation or even by what we do, but because we are created in the image of God to reflect him. So if we're trying to find our worth and our value from our job or for that matter from anything outside of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we're verging on idolatry. I know that's a strong thing to say, but it's the truth. If we find our identity in anything outside of our relationship with God, we're verging on idolatry. Okay, finally, work is not just about making money. And I know what you're thinking, Pastor James, I have to eat. And to eat, I have to have money. Therefore, I have to work to make the money. That's what I got to do. And I'm not objecting. I'm not objecting to that logic, okay? Except for the idea that making sure you understand where does that income come from? Is it because you worked, or is it because God is gracious and good and He takes care of every single one of your needs? That's the truth, right? Now, what I do want to make the point of is if you look back in Genesis chapter 2, where God establishes work for Adam, there is no mention of money anywhere in that passage. You're not going to find it, okay? Now, what we do see is that immediately God declares to Adam that He can eat anything in the garden except for the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So he can have anything in there. So work does produce our sustenance. When we work, we eat. That's also a New Testament principle, okay? And in Adam's case, it's quite literally, right? He worked the ground, he got to eat from the ground. That's true. Um, but work, according to scripture, was given to God by, given by God for something so much more. Okay, so now that we've established what work isn't, let's look at what work is, okay? Um, So this question that we have to ask ourselves, since we know what work isn't, we have to say, what is work and why do we work? First, we need to understand one thing. God himself works. God himself is a worker. He works, right? The creation story tells us that God worked and then he rested from his creation. And the Gospel of John also tells us Jesus says God is still at work. God is still working. Okay? So, as God's image bearers, we reflect his image and his character. And one of the ways that we do that, one of the ways that we reflect his image, is through our work. So, our work should be a reflection of God's character in us. Now, although there are various types of jobs and work in the world, not all of those jobs reflect the character and the nature of God. So there are a few traits that I want to look at that that we can note on how God works both in creation and in the work that he does in recreating human beings, and recreation of us, okay? So let's take a quick second to look at those. Genesis 1 tells us that the earth was formless and void, and in the beginning, God's Spirit hovered over the waters. Now, to the ancient Middle Easterners, the sea represented chaos, it was uncertainty. So when God begins to create by calling out things like land and plants and animals, the author of Genesis is actually showing through God's word and through his work that God is a God who gives order to chaos. So if we're asking ourselves the question, how does my work reflect who God is and his character, then we need to think, how can we bring structure and order into our workplaces? How can we bring structure and order into our workplaces? Now, we have a few teachers in here, correct? Right? I know there's a few. Yeah, see a few hands raised. Okay. So there's a few teachers. Some of you may be familiar with this name, Harry Wong. Are you familiar with that name if you're a teacher? Harry Wong wrote a book called The First Days of School. And in that book, he basically kind of lines out for teachers how they need to create a rhythm and a routine for their classrooms to help give kids order and structure. Because we all know this, if you have a child... Kids crave order and structure. They need it. They need it. I promise you they need it. <laughs> all right? But truthfully, we all do. We all need order and structure in our lives. It's good for us. It actually brings us peace of mind if we have order and structure. So if, if we're image bearers, bringing order out of chaos is one way that we can reflect God's character in our work. Now, another way that we can reflect God's character in our work is by being life-giving. See, God always brings life out of death. We see this in God's original creation, right? He speaks and life begins. But we also see this in the recreation of every believer. Every person who's reborn, we see that God brings life and transformation to them. So therefore wherever we are as God's representatives we should be bringing life and there is absolutely no better way to do that I think than through our words. Now listen to what the Proverbs says Proverbs 18:21 The tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. So we can say we can either bring life to every situation or we can bring death. To a situation. Have you ever been in a conversation with a coworker who starts to kind of complain about a boss, right? They're starting to kind of tell the story of what they did, the boss did, and they're really frustrated about it. They get so upset, and they're kind of waiting for you to say something too. They kind of like pause for a second for you to agree with them and tell your own little story about why you think your boss is the worst. See, in that moment, we have the opportunity to bring life or death. By our words, what we say can bring life. We either choose to honor the authority over us, or we choose to bring death to the situation and dishonor that authority. And we're daily given the opportunity. Are we going to speak life into things, or are we going to speak death into our conversations? So we can see that from God's own work, how our work should be a reflection of his character in us, but God's gift of work to us should also help us to see another aspect of work and that is it should be a product of god's calling in us you see over and over again throughout the scriptures god calls on those who have been given a unique set of skills to make their skills available for a particular responsibility for example those who helped construct the tabernacle according to exodus 36 they were given skill and intelligence David says of himself, I don't know if that's arrogant or not, but he says of himself in Psalm 78, he says with skillful hands that he helped build the people of Israel, okay? Then even the musicians who led worship for the tabernacle, they were considered skillful. And each of every one of these individuals, just like each and every one of us, is gifted by God with certain skills or abilities. And God's placed those things in us so he can call them out of us. These skilled gifts, some of them come naturally, some come uh, as we develop them, but they're a display of God's calling in us. And the work that's going to be the most fulfilling for me and for you is work that utilizes God's giftedness in you, his giftedness in you. I have a a dear friend who used to be a pastor, um, but he always loved working with his hands. And he always loved doing cool woodworking projects. He, he posts them online all the time. It's just fantastic. I mean, it's just beautiful, beautiful things. And so now he's stepped out of ministry, but he's still working on these woodworking projects. In fact, that's what he does. He is a woodworker and he makes beautiful tables. It's almost art, the way how, how beautiful it is. And he makes it for these families. But it's beautiful because he understands that this is God's calling in him to create something beautiful, to make something that's life-giving, and so it's an extension of God's calling in him. And so here's the thing. The last thing that I want for any of us in here to think is that church work is the most important work or that it's the only work because that's just not the truth, okay? God has gifted some of you with this incredible discernment and wisdom that I honestly wish that I had on how to invest money. And guess what? That is God's calling in you. And if he has called you to do that, you should do it. For some of you, he's, he's given you the organizational and administrative gifts to help companies thrive. And if God has gifted you with that, you should use that to the best of your ability. Whatever God has skilled you with, use as his calling in you. And finally, our work should be a vehicle to show God's compassion towards people. I love the way author and pastor Tim Keller puts it. He says, the ideal job is where our gifts and our passions come together in service to others. So our work should always be seen through the lens of how can this benefit other people? In other words, how can my work bring about human flourishing? So many times this aspect of our work um, is all a matter of perspective if we really think about it, right? Most jobs actually have aspects of helping and caring for other people besides just you know, working in the hospital or working and teaching. Those are, of course, humanities that we definitely see, but there's other aspects of jobs that have ways of helping people. So let me give you an example. Let's say you're going on a family road trip. You're about to go on a family vacation. And because you're smart, you know you need to take your vehicle to be serviced. So you take it in and you take it into the shop. Now that auto mechanic, he can think of his job one of two ways. He could say, okay, you know what? This is just a means to an end. I just want to make the money right? Or he could ask himself, how can I help and love and show compassion towards people? So instead of just quickly going through the oil change, next one, let's go, he makes sure he's thorough in checking for things. He wants to make sure that there's not another issue. And instead of, I know we've all been to the auto shop where this happens, and pardon me if you're an auto shop person, all right? But you're like, oh man, they're just tacking on something else. They just want my money, right? Instead of that auto mechanic thinking that way, he's thinking, no, I want to bless this family because I don't want them to get hurt. I want them to be safe while they're on the road. See, that's the way that compassion can change your viewpoint of your job, right? But but you're still going on this road trip. You've got your car taken in. Now you're ready, you're packed up, everybody's loaded up, ready to go on on the road. And then we have the wonderful construction worker. Most of the time we curse under our breath whenever he's out there and working on construction as we're slowed down for our commute, right? But the construction worker, he has the same opportunity am I just doing this to get the paycheck or am I doing this so that I can serve and love other people? And so he thinks, how in the world can I work in such a strong way that I make a really good road that is safe for the people that are driving on the road? And in his mind, he maybe he pictures this family, right? So all of us can think of it that way. It's all a matter of our perspective on our jobs. Now, in this Thessalonians passage that we read earlier, Paul's making the plea for them to love more and more, is what he says. And then while it might seem like he's going in a different direction because he starts talking about work, while it seems like he's going in a different direction, there, there is no differentiation in the Greek text. It, it's not like there's a there's a sudden change or a sudden shift. It's all one paragraph, actually. If you look in your passage, it's all one paragraph. He's not changing direction. He's actually saying for that the church when they live a quiet life and that they work with their hands, that he's actually saying that is how you can love other people well, is by working, working well with your hands. Listen to how one commentator put it. Manual labor was despised by the ancient Greek culture. They thought the better a man was, the less he should work. Some of you are like, amen. But in contrast, God gave us a carpenter king, fishermen apostles, and tent-making missionaries. That's good, right? But so Paul doesn't stop there, okay? He lets us know why our work can benefit God's kingdom. Look at what he says. So that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. You see, the way that we work demonstrates what we believe about God. If someone were to walk into your place of business, it should be evident who the Christian is versus the non-Christian. Because the Christian is the one who works hard, they're respectful, they're generous. And that's evident to someone when they walk in. You have the smiling face. You're greeting them by their name. Like this is evident if you're a Christian. That's what it should look like. Because after all, we're set apart, right? We're God's holy people. We're different. But the second part that Paul gives, the second reason he gives is that we shouldn't be a burden for our fellow believers. We shouldn't be a burden. Even if we are out of work, let's say you don't have a job right now, how are we hoping contribute with the things that we do have to the benefit of others? That's the question we should ask ourselves. Even if I'm gonna work, what do I have that I can use to the benefit of other people? Because that's what God's going to bless. See, all of our life finds meaning and purpose behind the cross of Christ, even our work. There's no aspect of our existence that God does not have rule over and purpose for because of the cross. Our prayer should be that we let the skills God has equipped us with demonstrate the truth of who he is so that we might have the opportunity to share who he is with others. I'm going to pray for us here in a second, but like I said, we're going to have some time for some Q&A, okay? And in a minute, there's going to be on the screen, there's going to be the QR code. So if there's other questions that you have on the other topics that we're going to be talking about, I want you to be able to scan that. It's also out in the for you, feel more comfortable. But one of the things I want to make sure that you know is that there's no name on it. There's no place to put your email. There's no place to put your name. It is completely anonymous. So if you're afraid of asking a question because you're like, man, this one's kind of rough. This one, I don't want this to be associated back to me. I don't know. We won't know, because there's nowhere for you to put your name, Okay. But let me pray over us, and I'm going to ask Tim to come up as I pray. Father God, we just thank you so much, God, that you have made us in your image to display who you are to those around us. And we pray that through our work, God, that we would do that very thing, that we would consider ourselves blessed, God, that you have given us something to do with our hands. God, that it's not about how difficult it is, but God, it's given to us so that we have purpose. God, that purpose is not found in it being our identity but by the truth that God, you give us something to do. And we're grateful for that. Father, I pray for this time that we just ask a few questions, God, that it would be beneficial to everyone sitting in this audience. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Do I have to step on other people's Mm -hmm. fingers to climb the ladder of success?
1: Mm -hmm. That is a hard one. Because so many of us are driven, right? We're driven to succeed, we're driven um, to be better. And that's a good thing. Goals and drivenness are a God-given thing. I believe that 100%. But I do think the integrity in which you work, God blesses or he will allow there to be consequences of. So if you're taking advantage, if you're trying to basically do something that um, unhighlights another individual, but highlights yourself so that you can get up, kind of move your way up, then I would say you're dishonoring that other person. In fact, like we talked about, that that imago day in them, you're actually not considering. You're not considering about their value and their worth and their dignity. So I think that you can. I think that you can honorably, as you follow Jesus, as you do the things that he's asked you to, and especially if, as you love others the way that God has asked you to love them, I think that you can find yourself climbing yourself. I've actually seen that in my own life. I've seen where... Um, I'll just be personally and blunt, right? I remember one time, a coworker and I, this is actually an associate pastor and I, we're having a difficult time. We weren't seeing eye to eye on a lot of different things. Um, and I just remember this, this spirit-led prompting that God gave me. I was using his truck to move some stuff for our, for our uh, church. And I just remember God saying, go give him some more gas. And you got to understand, like we had had like words like this, right? It'd be a perfect opportunity for me to be like, nope not going to do it. But I did. I went and I took care of it, got it, brought it back. He was overwhelmed. Like he, again, he was feeling the same thing I was. He was overwhelmed that I did that. And then whenever he actually became the lead pastor, he, he drove straight over to my house whenever that decision was made. And he said, Hey, I want you to be my, my lead like student guy. Like, I want you to be the guy I'm going to, I'm going to make sure you get a raise. Like all because I was, I, I did what the Lord had asked me to do. And I honored him I respected him, and I loved him the way that God wanted me to. So I think that you can. I think that you can do it without having to step on other people.
0: All right. I think that's a great answer. We, uh, Yeah, we definitely need to honor, like you said, that image of Christ that's in someone else. And if we're stepping on that, we're, we're tarnishing that image that's, right. that's, God put, that's God, God's put in them. Right. All right. Next question. Is it lying to tell my customers or my boss only about the good aspects of my product or my performance without mentioning the bad?
1: That is a hard one. I I think, oh, man, that's a hard one.
0: Raise your hand if you're in sales in here. (laughs) Neil Crumpton, where are you at?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is a hard one. That is a hard one. So here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. Uh, I would say that you want to be... First of all, you you want to win you even in sales you want to win the trust of those that you're selling to, right? Now I don't that doesn't mean that you need to come out and give you know the little what what's the uh, the whenever they give you any kind of medication on the on the, the television right It's so, it might may cause this this, this 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 right like you don't I don't think you need to do that I don't think that that needs to be the thing right but if they're if they're seriously probing and asking questions and you're being intentionally kind of going around it I think that's that's dishonoring to the Lord. That's lying, right? That's lying to him and that's lying to, to them as well. And I, and I don't think the Lord honors that. So I think that what you want to do is you want to make sure that you're as honest with them as possible, that you're building that um, connection as a salesperson with them. You're, you're building that rapport with them. Um, but you definitely just, I mean, that goes against the convictions of what we know to be true from God's word, right? We know that we're not supposed to lie. And we all know that. We know that a libo emission is still a lie, Right? Um, I, again, but I don't think that means you go, every single one of these things, this is what it is, right?
0: I do believe we call those snake oil salesmen. <laughs> snake oil. Salesmen. <laughs> Known of you in my life. <laughs> All right. So here's a really good one, uh, especially for the, for the wives in the room. It okay. also could go for husbands as well, but okay. am I wasting my life staying home to raise my kids? Ooh. Or... Am I cheating my kids by going back to work?
1: Ooh. Okay, so this is a huge passion of mine. I want you to know that if, first let me say this. That is a a prayerful decision that needs to be made with husband and wife, right? A prayerful decision. If you feel called to stay home and you have prayed about that, the Spirit has led you that, he's confirmed that, then you should stay home and you should bring up your children. Again, we're going to talk about that the last week, and that's a huge passion of mine because we as parents have the greatest responsibility when it comes to shepherding and leading our children spiritually. Okay? And so I, I think that if you're a house mom, that is one of the greatest occupations you can have. I absolutely believe that. Um, Emily did that for a season of our life. She did that. She stayed home with our girls for a season of our life. And there's absolutely, to my mind, we are blessed because of it. We are blessed because of it. But on the opposite side, if you have been called to work, if you feel like God has called you, um, and as you've talked with your husband or wife, whichever, whoever this person's asking this question, and you feel like the Lord has has said, hey, you're going to work, I want you to work, then don't feel bad, All right? What you need to do instead is to make every opportunity with your children be um, capitalized on, if that makes sense, right? If you're at work and you feel like God's called you to work, don't feel bad that he's called you to work, but instead capitalize on the opportunities you are at home with them. Don't get distracted by other things. Don't let You know, technology take you away, have dinner together, have conversations together, so that way you are capitalizing on the time that you are at home. But I don't think it's wrong, right? And I don't think you should feel guilty if the Lord's led you to work, okay?
0: All right, got a couple more here. Next one is, how come, oh, Uh -oh. wow, Uh (laughs) this sounds like a sad person. How come I enjoy my work more than my church? Or my spouse, Ooh. or my family.
1: Ah. Man, um, I th- here's the reason. This, I think this is a lot of times uh, leans more into guys than it does to women. If I'm honest, because guys, we um, we value respect. Uh, that's women. You may know this. We love respect more than we love love. Just being honest, right? We value being respected more than we care about you like loving us. Okay. Um, And so a lot of times what happens for men is they find that respect in their work. And because they find it in their work, it fulfills them more. So what I would say is I would say, first of all, you need to take an evaluation of yourself. Are you making work an idol like we talked about? Is it becoming something you find your identity in that you find your soul respect in? And then if it's something to where it's like, you know, I really realize it's because I'm not finding that at home. Then have conversations. Have conversations at home. Say, hey, I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like work fulfills me and I'm finding respect there that I'm not finding here. Now, be careful as you do that, right? Make sure that conversation is careful and you maybe you're out on a date and you're talking through things, all right? Don't just like yell it at each other. That's never going to be anything beneficial. But talk through that because there may be ways where your wife can say, I can understand that. How can I respect you more? How can I show you more respect? And I promise as the respect grows at home, I think that you'll find the less and less that you feel that way about your home. Now, church, I hope that you feel included here. We're trying to make sure that everybody feels like they're part of this community. We want you to be, um, and that you feel loved and valued, and we're hoping is eventually that you'll also see the gifts that God's given you that you'll start using here, and I think that'll help as well for you to love your church more. Uh, but I think in family and with your wife, I think definitely talking through those things. Again, that's more of a, a guy thing, I think, than it is a woman thing. Now, I'm not saying it can not happen to women, but...
0: This is, this is a good one. I've been, I've been in a job like this before where I have felt like this. Uh, so you could, we can say this questions for me, not right now, but previously, I hate my work. Doesn't God care about oh, me?
1: Oh man. Yes. God loves you. I have been in that place too. I've been in that place where I absolutely hated what I was doing and I questioned myself. Um, it was a hard season. It was a very hard season, but I do remember the thing that I did that helped the most, it was I kept on asking the Lord, God, what are you doing? What are you doing in this moment? What are you doing in this experience? What are you doing through this job that I need to learn, that you want to grow in me? Because that's a lot of times when God puts us in those places is because there's something he's refining in us. There's something that he's making and building some kind of character in us that we're going through that difficult season for that moment, right? So it's not forever. That's the first thing. It's not forever. It won't be forever right? Um, Even if it's your whole life that you're working at this job. It's not forever. forever. Eternity is a long time, y'all, and it's not here, right? So just hold on to that promise and look for the purpose in it. What is God wanting you to do? Some of you, maybe it's just like we talked about today. Maybe it's finding ways of being compassionate towards other people, that you can love other people well. Or maybe it's even God has put you there so that some person might understand who Jesus is for the first time. What a blessing that would be, that you get to be in a place that's difficult. I mean, think about Paul, and as he's writing all these letters. He's persecuted every day, that he, he's taking those opportunities to share the good news about who Jesus is. So it may be that. It may be that you get the opportunity to share who Jesus is with somebody that's never heard the name of Jesus.
0: So that your answer to that makes me look where you had the three things about work, work should be, and the third one was a vehicle to show God's compassion mm-hmm. towards people. Mm-hmm. So to me, I think if I find myself in a situation where I really don't like my... No matter what, you should be able to find a way to be compassionate yep. towards others, right? To turn that around, even if you're in a situation at work that you really hate or hate your boss or Absolutely. whatever. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Well, that's all we have for this week. Awesome. So. Well, let, me, let me pray for us, and I know the worship team will close us out together. Father God, I just thank you for this time of questions and answers. I just pray that it'd be fruitful, God, as we've asked before, that it'd be something that as people are maybe struggling with something or an issue or a particular topic, God, that they would feel the courage to be able to write it in so that we can discuss it and talk through it. Um, God, because we know that you tell us that when we seek you, that we will find you. God, that you're not a God who stays distant from us, but that you want to give us the answers to our lives because you care about our lives, and we thank you for that. God, I pray that you would continue to receive our worship as we close out tonight. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: If you have questions about this week's message or would like to start a conversation with someone about what it means to walk with Christ, please email pastor at cfeb.church. You can find earlier episodes of our podcast on our website at cfeb.church, where you can also give online to help support community fellowship in our mission to reflect and share Christ's love. We can also be found on many major distribution platforms like Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe to stay connected. Thank you again for listening. Now go out and love one another like Jesus did.